Good evening, and welcome to the Cancer New Moon Talk to both those here in the New York office and those of you who are joining us online. To begin the evening, we're going to recite the Gayatri, which is on the white card on your chair. O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. Tonight's discussion centers on the work of the new group of world servers who are dedicated to studying money as directed and appropriated energy. In our pursuit of understanding about how money and wealth fit into our esoteric work, we might ask what this phrase, directed and appropriated energy, means. According to the Tibetan, directed and appropriated energy is the force that leads to a concretization of a thought form, work that he says is in the field of magical endeavor. The workers who agree to take on this work are called financial servers and collectively form the ninth seed group. When we think of financial servers, Perhaps the image that comes to mind is that of a cigar-smoking banker in a suit or a stressed-out trader staring at a ticker and screaming commands to buy or sell. Both of these people seemed steep, steeped in materialism and greed. But do we also think of a woman in India or Africa who has procured a microloan to buy livestock that helps support the economy of her village? Do we think of the entrepreneur who develops devices that help the blind to see and the deaf to hear, or billionaires who pay for college students' education, as in one of the readings? And what about those who don't work with money, but with the lower kingdoms? Maybe an engineer who develops a more efficient way to, to, to deliver water to a population, or a small farmer who runs an environmentally sustainable farm. All of these latter examples introduce ways in which financial servers might work in the world. <coughs> Collectively, the work of financial servers has been changing the world, albeit perhaps slowly and behind the veil of our conscious awareness. Professor Steven Pinker, who teaches psychology at Harvard University, writes extensively about the use of data to dispel the notion that the world is getting materially worse. In fact, he uses data to say the opposite. He claims that each day, 380,000 people are lifted out of poverty globally. Bill Gates, who follows Professor Pinker's work, at the World Economic Forum in Do Davos this past January, tweeted an if infographic that shows that over the last 200 years, global poverty has been reduced from 94% of the world population to only 10%. It must be stated that some experts contest this story, saying that 200 years ago, most of the world lived in agrarian economies and had no need of money because they lived close to the land. However, the United Nations agrees with Professor Pinker and Bill Gates. According to Alexander Hammond, with humanprogress.org, a project of the Cato Institute's Center for Global Liberty and Prosperity. In 2017, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres reported on the UN International Day for the Eradication of Poverty 
that the speed of poverty elimination over the last 25 years has been unprecedented, that during that time, more than 1.25 billion people escaped extreme poverty. If we look more closely at those who still live in poverty, he went on, the countries with the greatest concentration of impoverished persons in absolute numbers are India and Nigeria. But we still see improvement in those two countries. Since economic reforms in India in 1991, India's average income has, ri has risen 7.5% annually, and India's overall poverty rate has declined by 24% over the same time. Importantly, the poorest caste in India, the Dalits, have experienced the greatest increase in wealth. The poverty rate in that caste has declined by 31% more quickly than the average. In Nigeria, we can note a similar story where the GDP per person has increased by more than 800% since the year 2000. The BBC has reported on Africa's improvement you can watch the BBC video called Africa's Big Philanthropy in the second link that we sent around. The BBC also cites Professor Pinker's research in this segment. A quote from the documentary series reads, Africa is a continent on the move. Middle classes are growing. There's more money available to spend. And we can see philanthropy rising all over Africa. It is the only continent in the world where philanthropy among its people is growing. For instance, 93% of Kenyans give or donate. As we listen to these examples, we can perhaps begin to envision how the energy is directed and appropriated in a magical endeavor toward an outcome that benefits humanity. This process does not, perhaps, sound particularly magical on the surface of things. In fact, it sounds quite material in both its concerns and in its results. But the Tibetans' words shine some light on this aspect of the work of the Ninth Seed Group. Their project, he writes, is financial service, one of the most practical and interesting from the standpoint of the present world situation and modern conditions. In his book, The Laws of Manifestation, author David Spangler talks about the spiritual laws of attracting to oneself through love whatever materials, energy, or help are needed to promote wholeness or further growth. In an early chapter of the book, he, he discusses some common mis misconceptions about manifestation and how we perceive the magic that lies behind it. Sometimes magic happens in a most ordinary way, he explains. If you work and receive a paycheck at the end of the week, he says, you have manifested money. Noting how members of the new group of world servers are using money to enhance goodwill in the world and drawing light to that effort, in and of itself is a financial service. With this in mind, we can review the three categories three categories of endeavor for financial servers and observe how the energy of money either increases or diminishes goodwill in the world. First, we must make an effort to understand the nature of prana or vital etheric energy in the three qualities which distinguish it, inertia, activity, and rhythm. Two, a study of the processes whereby money has been steadily deflected from personal uses, both in the good and in the evil sense. And finally, three, a study of the law of supply and demand so that there can be made available for the master's work through the medium of the world disciples that which is needed and sorely needed by them. We are now going to move on to the meditation, strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. Group fusion. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. 
May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment, we recognize our place within the heart center of the group of world servers.
entire interlude. Meditation.
precipitation. Lower interlude.
distribution, please recite the great invocation slowly and rhythmically. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. We now open up the floor for discussion. We had two questions for reflection and discussion. I'll, I'll read them now. Perhaps they'll, they'll prompt um, some thoughts. Have you observed ways in which the group of financial servers are using money to increase light in the world? Uh, and the next. Can you imagine further innovative ways that the right use of money might help to solve any of the problems of humanity? Okay. <laughs> it's, a it's a very lovely thing to um, think of money in relation to the sort of energetic flow of crime. Energetic flow of flow of 
the energetic flow of prana. Of prana. Um, it's because... And to think of... Um, so we can look at something like the stock exchange. You know, when you, we used to be on Wall Street, I used to really like being close to the stock exchange because it's such a good symbol that, f that there's this unbelievable flow of energy, of prana, that through the incredible intensity of the human mind is largely misdirected and largely directed to build up the forces of materialism. But that flow of prana, and a small little sliver of that flow of prana, is actually going probably a bigger sliver than we think, but based on all of Pinker's ideas and everything, is actually reinforcing and strengthening um, sharing and giving. Because money is supposed to be the flow of where giving and gifting flows through human relationships. But you can imagine, to me it's not difficult to imagine those huge flows of investment that go through something like Wall Street or any of the great stock exchanges. Switching so they go into myriad different things that are actually helping build good relationships. That's and you can imagine the financial servers that are working now have never been as alive. They're so much more alive than they were in DK's time when he wrote about mm -hmm. that ninth secret. To me, it's a really lovely thing. And the democratization. One of the things, say, in philanthropy that philanthropists talk a lot about now is the democratization of philanthropy because. Mm. Philanthropy is often wealthy people giving away wealth, which is inherently good. But there are a number of philanthropists who are now interested in creating funds and so on that enable people who don't have vast resources of wealth to experience the, the simple human joy of giving and to have some control over how they give and where they give to. And so there are all sorts of experiments in providing funds um, for small communities where sometimes there are lotteries and when you win, what winning the lottery means is you have access to a certain amount of money that you are responsible to give away, which is a really lovely thing. Uh, it's happening in numerous places. If you Google democratization of philanthropy, there's a huge discussion about it, largely from it's sort of you know, philanthropy always comes, there's within the phil philanthropy community, there's an element of guilt always. And it's just one of the areas of great interest in philanthropy. How you overcome the thing of the elite giving to the poor. <laughs> when I think of money, um, and, and this is also something that David Spangler uh, was sort of touching on in, in his book, I, I think that there's a, a way that we're blind to how much giving and generosity is actually out there in the world and that it's actually in a way built into the financial systems. Uh, the way um, that most households work is that there's uh, one or two people who make the money for the household and they distribute it throughout the household. And that's not that's not um maybe we don't think of that as a as a big uh it's not a huge investment uh and it's not um a great deal of m money so those cash flows are small but but when you think that there are billions of people on the planet everyday people who are engaging in this type of monetary exchange on a daily basis i actually think that if you look at that as the base that there's far more generosity that goes on than, than manipulation. But for me to believe that to be true, I have to stop thinking of money in terms of the, um, you know, the big in investments. Um, not, you know, I'm not, you know, contesting any, anything 
that that you said it's it's more just um i think very holistically about money and and uh that the that the prana starts in the earth it starts in the earth when the in the mineral and animal and plant kingdoms and then it rises upward until we get to this very abstract thing that we call credit and and now with the um even more uh, greater level of abstraction with the cyber currencies so i but i see um when we're talking about money i'm thinking of that whole chain starting way here rising way up so um yeah and i think that you know the the, the david spangler's idea about the the everyday magic of manifestation I think it's so much a part of us that we don't even really acknowledge it. We all know about many examples of um, really generous giving uh, by billionaires who pledge to donate half of their uh, resources to um, charity. And uh, that, I think it's, it's a start for the move towards more uh, global movement of making uh, resources available to public and sh to uh, movement towards the sharing of the resources. Because uh, I think eventually, like talking about the experiments, uh, those are experiments of building eventual system of a larger, wider system of dis distribution, redistribution of resources. Because I wish to think about the future financial planetary system of shared resources where uh, all the natural resources would be shared and uh, some kind of global fund of public resources that could be shared and provided uh, based on the needs for people regardless of their country of origin and their place of the birth and uh, I think that's what decay was indicating that the future global financial system will be the economy of the sharing and uh, in a way some countries that's uh, more advanced in this in creating social systems of uh, social support uh, they move into that direction and uh, pro uh, providing much wider opportunities to their citizens, providing free education, providing free health care. Uh, those are examples and in a way experiments. If we think it's not that long ago, it's maybe 50, 70 years mm -hmm. that those systems been in place. but. Uh, I'd like to see those as an experiments that lead us into that future of shared economic resources. Thank you, Suzanne, for your talk. It got me thinking, um, or really kind of reminding me that the the problem of the equitable distribution of money in the world is really at the heart of the whole you could say problem of spiritualization of humanity so I think this the spiritual task of humanity I think money's really at the heart of it and that's because when you talk about the equitable or you could just say right distribution of money in the world it's not really the money that has to change it's actually 
the way humans relate to money. So it's really the human heart that has to change and humanity's relationship with each other that has to shift. And I think to the degree that we see that happening in the world is the degree to which money will naturally follow suit. And I wonder, and my own understanding of this is, is kind of evolving over time, of course, but I, it's really easy to vilify those who have a lot of wealth and use it selfishly and to focus on them as the problem. But when we think about the redistribution of money, especially through the means of meditation, through the power of thought, I wonder if that is not really, um, how much that actually really matters. You know, those people who have a lot of wealth and are using it selfishly, how much that really even should really even factor into our work. And I'm talking more about the meditation work through mm. The, the meditation that we use every week through the redistribu redistribution of money for, for spiritual purposes. Because I really think that it's, when you work esoterically, you work as the soul, and the soul works through magnetism. And, and, I, and materialism, of course, works through the manipulation of form. And, of course, when you're talking about money, there is definitely form is always involved because it's the energy of form so you can't not manipulate form like that has to be part of it mm -hmm. but those who work spiritually in this regard there is a definitely a magnetic method of working and I think that has to do with with love and with right human relationships and that is really I believe at the heart of the of the spiritual problem of money and there's one other thing I wanted to say, but it's leaving me now. Um, and perhaps I'll come back to it. <laughs> no, I, I was going to agree with what you were saying, Michael. And um, and also add just this thought. Uh, there is psychologically, there's this thing that humans do, which is instead of looking at the people who have less than they do and thinking how fortunate they are, they have a they have a bias toward looking toward people who have more than they do and <coughs> feeling that they don't have enough as a result. Um, and this is, this is shown in tests where they do it with the, the ultra high, no, with the high net worth uh, folks, the people who are high net worth, which means that they have you know, millions of dollars. They feel, uh, they, they feel like they're getting the short end of the stick because they're not ultra high net worth, <laughs> right? So, so I guess with that, what that makes me think about is when we're talking about right human relations in, in, in terms of material things, how much do we need? How much do we need? So I um, follow a lot, very closely, the uh, minimal minimalist movement. Mm. I really like it a lot, mostly because I don't like to be bothered with taking care of things and figuring things out. So the simpler everything is, the better, <laughs> the, the happier I am. I know a lot of people aren't, aren't like that. A lot of people have a different orientation toward material possessions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but then they, there's also scientific studies that show that material things don't actually make people happy, that people are much happier when they spend their money on experiences rather than things. So, um, so all of this uh, makes me wonder what is b psychologically behind this um, desire to accumulate more than we can even comprehend. So for instance, a billion dollars. I cannot comprehend how many a billion is. My mind, it, I know I look at the zeros, but if you had to say that, that there was one dollar, one billion, one dollar bills, that at the total that amount, I, I, and I don't, I don't care about it I in a way, if you, if you know what I mean. So, um, so I, I always wonder psychologically and spiritually what is what is behind that drive? Or I can also imagine that there are some people who just don't end up in the 1% because they are striving for it. it. They happen to be in a situation where it comes to them. And um, 
it can it, who am I to say that it doesn't come to them through legitimate spiritual means, right? So um I guess I guess what I'm saying here is is that s- it would be helpful to have a greater understanding of the psychology behind how people how and why people pursue money it it would be very helpful i think the meditation on um, the money for the spiritual purposes the sunday meditation has that f- uh, part where we dedicate whatever however small sum of money we earn within the last week we dedicate for spiritual purposes and uh, there is there is a phrase that no matter how small that is it can become a magnetic seed mm. magnetic nu- uh, uh, nucleus whatever the word there is for the creating that uh, movement of the energy. And what uh, uh, came to me is is a realization that that is uh, in a way essential choice that each of us make with no matter how much money, however small, how big the sum that we possess is that do we consider it is it for our own good for satisfying our own needs whatever that's either it's goods or experiences or is it something that we see just as a energy that comes through us and i think that's decision that we make every time we hold to that sum whatever small or large it is it's that's what defines either we close the door where evil dwells or not. Because mm. that in that meditation, that the only stanza that is used in that meditation is the fourth stanza about where we say the uh, at the plan, close the door. And the plan is to restore the, the flow of energy uh, because the, the universal law is the the flow of energy whatever uh, stops the energy becomes uh, uh, evil becomes Mm. a problem and so that's the question of the choice no matter how small or large that sum is that would defines that where we are I think I've had an uneasy tension with financial matters, and I think as you move towards a space of your, of your you know, of service, then I think out of diligence, we must look at our relationship with financial matters to the extent that we can help ourselves is the extent that we can help others. So I would describe myself as a bit of a, a sieve when it comes to financial matters, either credit cards or dollars falling out of my pockets and what concerns me is my attitude. You know, there is a flow of energy as the gentleman described, yet I am not grasping the fact that has to be carefully nurtured. You know, in this kind of material plane. We 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 you know whereas I'm good with prana from a spiritual sense in terms of anchoring that to work in a healing capacity or anchoring that to work in a mediumistic capacity. When it comes to finance, I don't treat it the same way. So if I'm in a subway and I have a moment of silence, I can use that as a mean of gathering strength, being still, being mindful. I don't apply that to the check that I get at the end of the week. I don't address with the same level of diligence how those pennies are being spent in the way that I would my energetic level so that could be topped up to work in a healing capacity when the Lord requires it. So I think as world service we have to one become aware of our relationships to finance if we want to be of service 
in a greater capacity, in any capacity. Um, but especially when we have our hearts, like when you think of these fair trade initiatives, empowering businesses to take on, you know, that, that kind of extending that hand to the extent the other person's willing to take it. You know, we, we have to be prudent in these matters. And, and I think there's a lot to learn with how we receive that money, how we appreciate it, how it's reciprocated, that whole flow that has to be carefully meditated on, to, to say with any confidence that we are making strides along this particular uh, array of appreciation. This, this comment in regard to the Sunday meditation um, that a lot of us who are familiar with the Alice Bailey teachings use every Sunday. Um, and I think that um, that meditation looks at money and defines it as, and I believe kind of the um, sort of etheric cause of all material phenomena, that that's kind of, money is sort of the, um, the, the underlying energy of all material things. Mm. Um, and from an exoteric perspective, you could look at money and say it is actually just a social construct. Right. Something that, um, because people all think and consider it a thing, it is a thing it, within our social, con within our society human society. Um, and I'm curious about kind of the relationship between those two approaches, and they seem kind of at first um, a little bit incompatible. Um, but then thinking about it further, I realize that the link is kind of what I brought up earlier, that the through the money meditation, we're actually changing the hearts of, of people. And so I believe as people change the way they think about money, that sort of, um, the way money exists in the world is changed. And I don't think I'm being perfectly clear in what I'm trying to say, but it's as if, if from an esoteric perspective, we could say that the entire field of, of money, of humanity's relationship with money and with money, because it is kind of a, a human thing in a way, is in a sense a, th a thought form and it's a thought form that is to a certain degree controlled by humanity and I think the way that we change I think th through med when we talk about the meditation what we're do what we're working with is the power of thought and so like what Sasha brought up when you when you dedicate that money each each week and you you change the way you think about money, it has an effect on that group thought form and the way that, and by changing the thought form, it actually changes money itself in a way. So, yeah, that's all. One more. Uh, I, this is a lovely discussion. I like this. I love this thought, Louise, that um, which is really related to the same thing, that the way, if we, could, if we could be mindful of money, which is what that meditation is, so that the, the sort of spirit of generosity, even if we think of how we're using the spirit of generosity, both in the money we receive, so in people, in your salary package, you know, you tend to think of the, getting your money well, I put in my work and I got, that in fact it's an exchange mm -hmm. of energy. So if there's a degree of appreciation of this and, and, and I mean, I'd, if we're truly mindful, we see it is this golden flow that's coming mm. and then we can be mindful in the radiation of that golden flow. Yeah. And just the only other thing to add to that is to, to carry that thought through to the way we see, because I love that thing that in families, there is a sharing yeah. in nearly every family. And of course, the thing about love is to expand the circle of the, of the love. But there are many, many areas in many societies. So one of the things in our society, I live in a fairly rural area, 
and we have volunteer fire brigades. And they're incredible because they play a role in a community that is unbelievable. So you'll have a small network of what we would call disciples in another field because their whole life is centered around their commitment to a sense of responsibility to respond at any hour of the day or night, whether they're at a party, whether they're at a pub, wherever they are, to the need of the community. And then the community's appreciation in terms of sort of funding that that work. And there are many societies that have these rural fire brigades, but they're an amazing thing of, and a real center of spirituality often in communities. Okay, that's our talk for today. So I just have a couple of announcements. Um, the first one is that if anyone is interested in um, reading Alice Bailey's words on money, we have a, a booklet that we can either send you or you can pick it up at the office. It's called Money, the Medium of Loving Distribution, a compilation from the books of Alice Bailey. And um, some of the things that were in my talk today were fr taken from that um, booklet. So that's there available for you. Um, and then the next uh, meeting here will be the full moon meditation meeting on Monday, July 15th at 6.30 p.m. Um, by It's right here at 866 United Nations Plaza, Suite 482 in New York. And the Cancer Full Moon occurs on July 16 at 5.38 p.m. And what else do we need to let people know? Okay. So that's everything. Um, I want to wish everyone in the United States a happy 4th of July and a lovely evening. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming. <laughs>